Old Gold Club. Powered by Blythe Group. With Mikey Burrows and Chris Iwalumo. So hello there and welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Um, I'm still very uh, hoarse with my voice. Why are you smiling at me like that? My, I basically, um, Simon Osborne is here as well, by the way. Hello, Simon. Morning. Um, <laughs> I am here, yeah. I, uh, I've been shouting too much at football matches. And, um, That's passion, is it? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, technically I'm paid to do it. Uh, but yeah, it, um, I got too carried away at some games, and so kind of letting people in on the secret. We're recording this the same day that we've done our Christmas special. That by the time you hear this, will have gone out, and everyone will recognise that my voice has gone. Um, so ideally, I won't be saying as much. Oh, okay, <coughs> which so, is so probably... it wasn't karaoke then. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a he- heavy Christmas party. <laughs> uh, probably not as heavy as the ones you used to have back in the day. We never did. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that in Played the fifth. In good time, because um, I know some of the people that you played with, so we know oh, okay. full well that you you had those kind of nights out. Um, before we get onto too much, though, uh, we kind of forgot to mention <clears throat> on our last episode that um, Looms became a dad again. We talked a lot about it on our other episodes, and and it happened. It did, yeah. It was. Uh... I say that like it's a surprise. I mean, there was nine <laughs> months of build up to it, but yeah, yeah, fourth of December. So no, absolutely delighted. Uh, Mother and and baby boys is is very well. So, no, it's uh, it was difficult. I've got to say, uh, it made me feel bad about complaining about sore legs and sore knees and sore backs, with what she went through sixteen, seventeen hours, and uh, no, she done well. Made me proud. Simon, Simon, ask him what he named the baby. What is the baby's name? Uh, the name is Rome Christopher Michael Iwellimo. So uh, he named the baby after me. <laughs> <laughs> the love that I've got for yeah, him. That's a special kind of love, that. It's baby that is Mikey. A special kind of love. <laughs> Honestly, to so, name him after you. Special. You know, I love you, mate. I mean, seriously though, like, you, is there anyone else called Michael in your family? That's Jade's father. Is it? Yeah. Oh. I just that was a respect thing uh, for for myself. He obviously, he's Jade and. He's got a sister, so his his name. I just thought I would give him a little shout out. Because he he like I'd sent him a message saying congratulations, yeah. and he'd said like, "Have you seen the name?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Rome, whatever." And he he was like, "No, look at the full message, you idiot." <laughs> and I looked at it. I was like, "He's named the baby after me." <laughs> did you get something out on social media for them? Did you? That it was named after I, you. I, I don't like to do too much. Oh, on no, it. No, he's kept, it, he's kept it quiet, low key at the minute. Too many, too busy partying. That's why. Yeah, the boys I've, been, I've been sending him message after message about it, <laughs> and that's phoning how, him up and asking him how baby alcohol. Mikey's that's going. How, that's what alcohol does to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you know other people apart from on this podcast. I didn't need to put it on social media. <laughs> It was, it was enough that he, he named his baby after me. That's all you need. Yeah. But no, it's, uh, it was all good. So. so even when he's long stopped speaking to me in about yeah. 18 years' time, he's going to look at his son. He doesn't go, look oh. tired, though, does he, to be fair? Oh, I've put the hours in, to be fair. She t- she's done well. She took the night shift last night, she did. So I've, uh, Hang on, I found, fresh, didn't he? I found you Monday and she'd taken the night shift. Monday? Yeah. She'd done the night shift no, on the Sunday. You called me when you woke me up from me doing the night shift. Oh, that was Don't Sunday. <laughs> I, I phoned him at like half ten in the morning. Unbelievable. Eh? Don't phone people like that with new babies. I know. What's half he doing? Though, You've got a text. If you don't get a text back, don't phone. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There's an unreal message. Law. Just calls you out the blue. No, you can't be doing that. Come on, Michael. Yeah, but like if you message him once, he's like, he's away then. 
Yeah, but if he doesn't answer, you know he's asleep. Yeah, but he would like, you know, this is the danger. If you message him and he is awake, then you'll get like 17 messages. Yeah, but at least you know you can call him. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Because, you know, I'm, I'm not a big messenger. Mm. I know I message you a lot, but that's yeah, mainly, just, to, that's mainly it, to pester you. Yeah, but. basically bug the life out of me. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's like you beat me into submission, eventually I'll give up, don't I? Exactly you, came up, you came up from London. I have, it's yeah. unbelievable. I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dedication. Yeah, Love it so. I don't know why. I must be mad. You're probably going to hammer me now, so I'll probably just... Mate, I'm not, not hammering you. You've come do. all the way from London to no, come I on know. this. Yeah, no. Just for you, that is. Uh, I appreciate I'm not going to have any more kids at the moment, so I can't name them after you either, but we'll be fine. They can change it by default if you want. We could. We could. I mean, genuinely, we really appreciate it because um, we've been trying to get you up here for quite a bit because, I mean, you've got a fascinating story, as many of them are, at the football club, and you represent an era which, you know, we've kind of had people that were here, like maybe from the 80s into the late 90s or from the early 90s and here a little bit like Jeff Thomas yeah, and yeah. those kind of guys. And we've had kind of people like Lee Naylor who kind of came in partway through your time and lasted longer, but... That set specific kind of ninety five yeah. to to from effectively just after Graham Taylor to just before Dave Jones, yeah, is a a time we haven't had a huge amount. Don came in and spoke a little bit about it. Don Goodman, yeah. although we kind of got bogged down in the FA Cup semi final. Oh, what the last one was it? Yeah, oh no, that was oh, quarter final. That was quarter final, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the, the semi final when um, he didn't <clears throat> when it was kind of. Bully and Robbie Keane didn't get to play. I was suspended. I got sent off at Ipswich away. Didn't yeah. even realise. You know, the, the biggest surprise for me is uh, like Mark McGee. I played under Mark McGee at Brighton and I love Mark McGee. Mm. I thought, but there's been a few question marks that the, the, the players never really got on with him. Like, obviously, he brought you in, didn't yeah. he? So. Yeah, see, I always got on with Mark. I, Mark signed me with Colin Lee. Um, I was at Crystal Palace. They just got promoted into the Premier League, but I, would, I didn't play as much as I felt I should. So, They'd watch me in a game, a testimonial at the end of the season and sort of said, we're going to sign him. as sort of Kevin Dillon's replacement. And um, I signed for those two guys there. Loved it. Started off at Reading. We were flying. They just got promoted. Had a really good time. And then he left at the December. Um, I got injured. We got to the playoff final. We won't talk about that. We finished second in the league, reducing down for the Premier League at that time. So we won't go into that um, right now because it hurts. No, not really. Um, and then he went off to Leicester. Tried to sign me for Leicester. And then I signed for QPR. Um, Ray Wilkins obviously was an idol of mine when I played he came to Palace just as I was leaving I thought wow that's perfect for a midfield player you kind of go places sometimes and Chris will tell you you know with centre forwards if he's a manager you think this guy can only improve you yeah. he's played at the highest level he's been everywhere God, how, can I not, how can I foul not to improve you know I've had a good season at Reading how can I foul not to improve at Ray Wilkins one of them things just didn't work out Mark obviously came here and that, he, I was sort of one of his first signings, really. Vinny Samways and myself sort of arrived at the same time. Yeah, Vinny came the day before. Yeah, that's it. He came on loan, I think, and I signed yeah. permanently. Um, and it was just, it's just crazy. I mean, I just saw someone on a social media tweeting just then. I scored against Wolves 25 years ago today for Reading, and in the following year was at Wolves. So I moved two clubs like within within the space of a year. It just, it's just funny how it happens like that. And I, I have nothing but respect for Mark. Um, it, he let me, he gave me a certain freedom to be able to play. Um, so obviously when certain managers change Chris will tell you and people will tell you your roles tend to change because yeah. you may be more disciplined um, you fit somebody else you've got to play alongside so you have to dovetail with them you know Cole Robinson for instance say it was far more attacking so I would sit deeper where I used to like going forward at the time so all certain different things and different dynamics within the team change but I always got on well with him um, I have nothing bad to say about him like I said all the managers that I've played under whether they got let me go or whatever they've all got 
good and bad parts. Yeah, stuff we do. don't stuff we don't agree with, but that's football. That's why it's a, a, the game that we love, and that's why we have the opinions that we do. And now, you know, it's changing. If we start bringing things far, we don't have the opinions. Because is it more difficult being a midfielder? Because if you're a striker, you know, like Big Chris was. I mean, obviously, given his size, he was a certain type of striker. What, what are you trying to say about him? He's a big guy, isn't he? He's, <laughs> he's a very tall guy. He's popping out of that jumper right now. <laughs> he's ripped again, yeah. Um, but, you know, and like defenders have it. But in midfield, it, it feels like, you know, you can be asked to be lots of different things at once. Is that the hardest role to do? No, no, not at all. It's just the role that you're suited to. It, 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 every pro, every player on the pitch has a certain role. They're all as difficult as the other and you have to master that art the centre forwards get paid the big money because they're in the right place at the right time but also it's not by chance they work at what they do so you work at in in the games you work at what you're going to do a lot of the time you know you can go into loads of stats about three minutes of the balls and how many passes you have and all this so if you're a passing player you have to pass it well if you're a defender you have to defend well so I wouldn't say any is more difficult the midfield role is just one where Yes, you are involved probably a lot and you're up and down a little bit more, maybe, but it's no different to the centre-forward. Well, you said there that you, you used to lo- love to bomb forward as well, but you took it upon yourself and Carl Robinson's is, is bombing on. That's been a little bit selfless, a bit of a team play that you've got to sit and protect in. And that's the difficult thing. I think that's what Mikey's trying to get at, that yeah. you've got to think, right, OK, even though that's one of my strengths, that's what I can bring to the team. I'm le- letting him do it and I'm just going to sit in and protect. Yeah, I think I, I suppose if you speak to people back then, I'm, I'm probably like that. Chris, you know, I'd, I'd play for the team. The, my teammates I, and my the people that I needed the respect from. I wasn't. I loved the fans. You know, don't get me wrong. I loved it if you had a good game and a yep. huge name. But the people that mattered to me were my teammates. Spot on. Yeah. You know, if I if I let them down, I'd tell them I let them down. If I get sent off at Ipswich away by booting Bobby Petter up in here because he's too quick for me, then I'll have to come in and apologise because I've left them with ten men. Yeah. There's a difference. So if I was doing that for them, and it, it, it wasn't, it's not selfless. It's just understanding sometimes your role is different. Carl Robinson's probably a better finisher than me, but you have to take that on board. Yeah. There's no point both of us going because all of a sudden it'll be open and then you'll have a problem there. I mean, like I said, I can't remember it was, I got told Colin Lee here, just the, just the one of them. We, or was it Walsall? I can't remember. We're doing a session on a Friday. You man Mark King Cladsey at Man City to one of the guys over there. You do it. Set up in a session, having a little bit of shape playing all that. Anyway, whoever it was, Mark, and I can't even remember now, King Cladsey scored. Who would be King Clancy's one of the reserve guys? So it's like, oh, stop, 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 stop. Big old to do. Coaches get together, get one of them. Ozzy, come here. What? <coughs> you mark him. And you're like, but I'm supposed to be your playmaker, Gaffrey. Like, you, know, you want me to get the ball? What do you want me to do? He said, don't care. You're disciplined. Just stay with him all game. So I literally just, you just, I never played in the game. I come off the game, hating the game, but I stayed with him. And they come off going, brilliant, well done. And you go, I didn't do anything. Yeah, but players don't do that today. This is what I'm trying to say about you. You, you get given a responsibility and the, the, the manager trusts you, but it's not allowing you to play the way that you want. And we've we spoke about it on previous mm. podcasts that uh, players get played out of position because the, 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 the utility player, or not not even that, they just, they're just able to play, they're good footballers, they just want to play. Mm. But there's a, there's, a, there's a negative side to that as well, is that you know players that aren't playing in the positions they can't, a position that they'll understand, they'll know the responsibilities defensively, offensively, what, what it takes. But as I say, what, what so what what do you think then? Is, is it a positive or a negative? I, I always saw it for me as a positive that I was able to do different bits and pieces. Right. For me, and like I said, if it benefited the team, that's what it was. You know, it, 
sometimes it's frustrating because you work all week to go out on a Saturday and come yeah. on Friday, your, your role's changed, you're doing something that you're not not as happy doing, but you want to play. So really? you have to, you know, you, you bite the bullet, you get on with it, do it to the best of your ability, come in, you're still moaning at the gaffer on a Monday, yeah. you know, knock on the door. It's a must, yeah. Yeah, you know, listen, I've done it, but it's not what I like doing, you know, I, I, all right, you've done it, brilliant, thanks. But then the next time you, <laughs> you get that nod again, then you come here, mark him out of the game, and you're like, <sighs> but you do it, you do it, you get on with it, and it's it, it's positive, I think it's positive, and like I said, if you ask to do it, it means you're disciplined, you understand direction, you can take on board direction and stay with it, so I saw it as that, and yeah. like I said, at certain times, and as I said at Wolves, your roles change, you know, ideally when you first come and you want to be the forward-thinking plan, whatever, and then it slightly changes, um, the personnel change, you know, you've got someone that likes to run in behind, so you can hit nice balls over the top, then you change to someone who likes it to feet, like a Robbie Keane type person, so all of that changes. And that all changes the whole dynamics of it. You know, you play with a big man, so you're looking to play into him. You're yeah. looking to get balls wide and cross it. You have to play with, with the players that you've got there. And again, you sort of change sometimes your own tactic. There's no point me playing, smashing balls over the top for Chris with the greatest respect for you to chase him behind. It will pull off people, but it's not the same as having a Steve Ball that wants to run him behind or a, a Robbie Keane that wants to come to feet. So you have to change. You have to change, and that's worked at during the week and what you do, and then you trust. You know, I do a little bit of coaching now with a guy called Bobby Barry, and all we say is you have to trust your basics. The basics are the fundamentals, whatever we do. We can all talk about formations and tactics and this and that. You don't have the basics, you can't do it. Because it, uh, I tell you, you made me think of something that kind of does actually really interest me on the basis that um, you talk about different type of forwards and I guess maybe different type of wide players that you will play with. In your role, how much of it is told to you by the manager and the coaching staff the, the kind of balls they want you to play and how much of it is just natural instinct in your mind natural most of it's most of it's yeah. natural there'll be certain bits there'll be certain elements in a game if a ball's set back you'll, you'll be able to turn things around the corner but the stuff that the stuff that you play through which is I, I, love to, I used to take a few chances with passes because that's just the way I played people wouldn't like it because you maybe gave the ball away a little bit more than other people do. But I know in a game, I'll probably try and create at least two or three chances for yep. a centre forward. So I'll take that chance. You might get booed. I really didn't give a monkeys, if you know what I mean. I was strong enough in my own ability that you have downtimes, but I'd say, no, I'm going to still try it. Because when I hit that ball over the top and bully scores against Birmingham, and we win 2-1, everyone thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread. Sir. So you can't change that. But a lot of the time, and it's and this is why these guys are slightly different to us, I can't play the pass if he don't make the run. Yeah. Fact. If he don't run, I don't play it. If he don't move, if I go down to the byline and he stands at the back post, I don't know what I'm doing. If he goes and goes to pull, I'll play it to the back post. Or if he runs towards the near post, I'll play it towards the near post. That's just because you're at a level that you're understanding where he's going to go. So that's that's different. But if I get up and get my head up and he does nothing, I'm not sure. Do you not think that that's changing with football today? That they're coming, players are coming through, and it's not their natural talent. It's not their natural judgment. It's it's coaching. It's like the coach is saying, "This is what I want you to do," and they do it, even if it's not working. It's like you said there yourself. You took on the chance because you knew that 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 chance would make you excellent. So you you were brave enough to to gamble and and, and try that hard pass. Mm. It doesn't happen today. It doesn't, and it's something that frustrates me. You see the players coming through or formations. People talk about it. But players, they kind of shy away from responsibility today because it's the manager. He's going to be the fall guy. He's telling me to do this. I don't know. I'm, you look at me. I don't know mm. if you agree with me or not. No, but no. I, I just see it, especially what's happened with certain clubs that I work at. You look at certain players and you think, well, why Why are you not taking... Because Mick McCarthy here mm. allowed us to, to make decisions on the pitch because he's brought a, a group together that he trusts 
that he go out there, he'll give you instruction, but it's a, that's just a blueprint to fall back on. You still got to do whatever it takes to go out and get the result. Yeah. And like you say, having a player like yourself that can come in and have the bravery and the, and, 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 and the balls to actually yeah. go and, and play the whatever. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I think, and I I hark back to the fact that we're so stat related nowadays. It started coming in towards the end of my era. You'd get someone come back and watch the game. You had eighty five passes and blah de blah de blah. And I think a lot of it now, these guys, the stats dictate what they are. Everyone talks about Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne, his stats are lower than most people because he takes chances. Yeah. But then when he takes chances, he he's got the most assists. He's got this because he'll take a chance. He yeah. backs his ability. If that ball, you know, for someone like him. As that ball's rolled back to him on that little right-hand triangle, you would be licking your lips because he's going to put a ball in an area and all you've got to do is get in that area. Yeah. And you'd be licking your lips. Paul Merson, obviously I played with Paul. What a player. Unbelievable. What a player. But he's, he would say himself, I'm a risk-taker. Risk-taker in the means that he'll try and play an outside of the right football for somebody in or a toe punt or whatever he'd do. But what a player. And he, in one season, he got Portsmouth promoted more or less yeah. on his own. Yeah. On his own. You know, in the same thing, you'd go, you cannot let him get on the ball. You'd, you'd play against him, I think it was at Gillian at the time, he's saying, if you let him get on the ball and give him time, forget it, because he will find passes. And that's the difference. And like I said, I think now, you see some of these academy games or 23s games, and I just don't, I don't feel they've got the intensity. I don't feel they've got, you know, the old reserve league, you'd come up against an old pro. So you'd learn from him, watching him. You know, yeah. you'd, I, I played against Kenny Sanson when I was sort of 16. And you're like, oh my God, this guy's an England international. It's... it's you kind of get a buzz from it, yeah. And you're watching these guys and the way they played, and they weren't playing at 100, percent but you they were, quality, you then. still just see little bits and go, "Oh, that's good." Tony Adams, I mean, a reserve game at Arsenal, yeah. And the ball's getting it up, and the old big centre forward, and he just drops off and chests it down, and you're going, "How's he do that?" And it's like you kind of go away, going, oh, God, I want, you know, I want to get to that level." And it's a different thing, you know, playing these academy bits, and it's very nice, and it's very All technically, technically yeah. yeah, great. But is there any real sometimes? Will to win? Does it really matter? Does it? Is it really going to hurt you if you go and you've lost three 0 I get we want to produce players, but we've also got to want to produce winners. Surely, hundred um, percent. You mentioned Paul Merson and risk taking. <laughs> he uh, he took quite a few in different things. He, one or, he once was, or twice. He was manager, wasn't he? For yeah, when bit. he first came, Paul. He, um, I signed in the summer. I was at Gillingham. Um, bit of fallout with the chairman, and then I came. Uh, Colin Lee then took over at Walsall and. Basically phoned me and said, what are you doing? I said, you haven't signed at Julian and would you come up here? I've got a little bit of a project we're putting together. Talked to me about a couple of players he was thinking about getting in. He wouldn't name Paul at the time. And I sort of said, look, all right, you know, it sounds like what you're trying to do is right. I'll come up. You know, obviously I knew the Midlands anyway. It was an easy move to come back up to here. And then literally I'd signed and then a week later Paul Merson signed. So there was myself, Vinny Samways, Paul Merson, uh, Steve Carica who was here. Uh, George Leitao we you know, we started and it was like wow this is like you know we played the first game of the season we smashed West Brom off the park 4-1 <laughs> he got two of the best goals I've ever seen on the debut honestly they were unbelievable and he was brilliant he came into training he was fit he was enthusiastic but he has his demons you know he has his demons and when them demons get in his head he's a hard man and the same when he managed he managed the way he was very you know change it change it no mercy you got, you stick, no change it you know you're coming just that's just that's how he was. Great guy, great guy. I saw him um, do uh, like an after dinner mm. kind of sporting thing, and obviously you know some of the stories from those kind of things are exaggerated. What, from anyway. the books, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he, he tells like he tells one story of um, of you being on the of all of you guys being on the team coach back from a game and deciding to go around Steve Staunton's house and get drunk. He did. I didn't go with him. That wasn't me. 
And then there was another one he tells about when you lose, when you lost it an FA Cup shock. Yeah, we lost the Slough. Yeah, we lost the Slough 2-1. And the way he tells it is that Mark Kinsella came in in the week and was like, you won't believe the odds that we're on for this game. They did mention odds. And that a lot of players had money on they to did. win. I wasn't one of them. <laughs> I'll tell you that for a fact now. Never bet on a football game, purely because you're asking for trouble. Yeah, like, yeah. 100%. Obviously, I know that non-league scene. I grew up around my dad, so I know the non-league scene. And I know what the pitch was like at Slough. I know it's not an ideal place. Obviously, playing at Reading, it's a local game. You're playing pre-season. And it's never easy. Chris no, Terry, FA not. Cup is never... It doesn't matter who you're playing. It's just a funny little thing. And they was all, yeah, we this, that, the other. And I'm like, Gaff, I'm telling you, we've got to be you know, right on this here. Because if we don't start and they get a goal up, trust me, it's a silly little ground here about that far from you. They can touch you. It's like... And they did it and it didn't quite go to plan. But when I was his assistant, I, mean, we, I can't think we played. I think we went to Huddersfield, got beat 4-0. He was fuming, 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 fuming the gaffer. And I was like, yeah, I know it's happened, you know, this, that. I don't think I played, I can't remember. And he's tapped him again, right, get him in tomorrow. So you go down the back, then, yeah, listen, that's gaffer's once you come in tomorrow. So I'm oh, getting all that. I'd listen, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just, he's the gaffer. I, I told him not to give it all that one, did I? <laughs> so he's, you know, he's done that. So he's calmed down anyway. So he's, I said, what time, gaffer, anyway? So he's gone 12 o'clock, meet, gets to meet us at the hotel. I don't know if I should be telling this story, actually. Might get in trouble. No, it's not really. So we met where we normally park for the hotel to meet the coach. So we've got there, I think it was 11 o'clock. So I said, all right, do you want to go? He says, no. I went, what's the matter? He went, I'm going to have a drink. So I'm going to have a drink at the game of Paul. He said, they're going to spoil my son. They are spoil theirs. So we sat there, so had a couple of beers. You want to see him yet? No, not yet. So we left, literally kept him waiting around for about an hour, and he's gone, right, now we'll see him. He said, if I'm going to spend all my Sunday hating what's happened yesterday, they can have a little bit of pain on a Sunday. So we literally had a chat with them, called them a few names, said to them, like, pull the finger out, and then went, right, go. Said, I've messed your Sunday up now, you've messed mine up, see you later. Sent them back home, did nothing, just coated them for about 20 minutes and sent them home. <laughs> but he said, he just said, it's my Sunday's gone. He said, I've lost the game on Saturday, I hate it. He said, how many of these people really are feeling the pain? So he said, I'm going to give them a little bit of pain. That says a lot about him, you know, like he's a winner. A hundred percent. But that's, you have to have that. You have to have that in you because it's like, I talk about even playing board games with my daughters and things. I, I'm not letting them win. No. Nah. I'm, 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 you're that competitive. It's just, it's just inside you. You have to you know, teach them. Even table tennis, we're on holiday table tennis. If they can't play, don't waste my time. <laughs> don't waste my time. I'm not play, I'm not laying you up. No, I'm not no, laying no. you up. I'm not s- Monopoly, whatever, whatever it is. No, doesn't the only, happen. The only thing is I can't play FIFA in that. Then, but them games now they'll kill us on that. But I'll play anything else. Yeah, you got to beat them. They have to learn. They what? have to learn. Like so, having a kick about in the. Oh house. yeah, when I mum, when my lad was a kid and we were playing the sand on the beach, I'd two foot him. <laughs> hey, I'm not being funny. He's going to take one. He's got to learn. Brilliant. He's got to learn on the yeah. beach. It's spot soft on. landing. It's fine. He's all right. He'll get up. It's spot on. Spot he's got. On. He's got. You know, it's with the greatest respect in the world. Doesn't matter what job we do. There's com- there's a competitive element in everything Has we do. To be. Has so to you be. have to have it. I'm not saying you're going to go out like we, we were fortunate. You have that to get to the level that we got to. You have a certain amount. You have a lot, an awful lot of luck. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you have to have an awful lot of other stuff that people tend to forget. There's a lot of self discipline. There's giving up on a lot of stuff, there's commitment, there's injuries, there's all of this other stuff that goes through your mind, the self-doubt, there's lots of stuff. And if you've got to put a little bit in, like I said, my son now referees, honestly, I couldn't do it. I honestly couldn't do it because the abuse you get from people and all that. So I like to think that me booting him up in the air on a Portugal beach is giving that a little bit, yeah. a little bit of something, yeah, 100%. How hard were you on yourself? You know, like, because we are our own worst critic, aren't we? After a performance, <laughs> you know, it's like, so how... 
how, you know, when you analyse it, how hard would you be on yourself? Because you've got to be, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, you'd be hard. Hundred percent, you'd be hard. You'd look back in games and think, even when you've had a good game at times, you'd sort of look at, oh, I didn't quite. Yeah. You know, I played well. Yeah, you man and match. Yeah, but I didn't quite do. It. I thought I gave the ball away a little bit too much. Or you'd always be hard, harsh on what happened, and then you'd, you'd sort of go back and it's. Did I prepare as well? Yeah, I know we've done the same stuff. And you'd sort of go back almost to Thursday. Some days, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd have a game. Gosh, God damn, I was rubbish. Yeah. You know, that first, whatever it was. And you'd, you'd look at it and go, right, what what do I need to do better? And then I think as you get older, you still analyse yourself, but you kind of analyse it, look at it and put it to stick it away in the box. Because you know you can't dwell on it for too much longer. You can't because you've got another game coming up on Tuesday. Did, did that put you into good stead as a coach, as a manager then? Or Because uh, you've got to be harsh as well, but you've got to be, it's got to be constructive criticism, hasn't it? Yeah, I'd like to think, I, I, you know, I'd like to think if I'd have got a chance, it's all ifs, buts and maybes. Like, you, you never know, do you? There's lots of people that have gone into management and not done it. I'd like to think I would have been. But I, it helped, certainly helped, because you then had to recognise it. I think, like I said, I can speak for Paul. I think Paul's biggest problem was he couldn't comprehend that the players he was coaching could do what he could do and he found it so so difficult to, to be able to comprehend again they can't even they can't kick it they can't pass it and you're like gaffed it you know we're in the first division this is you've got to remember this ain't Arsenal anymore this ain't the Premier League with Bergkamp and Wright and this is so and so and so and so these guys are they're good they're good pros they're pl- you know anyone that makes a pros a, a good footballer don't get me wrong but they're not what you're used to. So you have to then, and if they keep, the reason they're at this level is because they keep making a mistake. They keep making a mistake. That's why they're here. That's why they're not in the Premier League because the mistake ratio is less. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Maybe I'm being harsh. No, you, maybe you are, <laughs> yeah. but you've got to lower your expectation. I think that's where you found it most difficult. Most difficult. Yeah. And it is difficult to, to, to sort of look at that sort of side of it and then change it. I mean, now you can watch videos back. You can do all sorts. It was, there, was, there was stuff there then, but not as much as you've got now. Because just very quickly, because we we need to get into the show properly in a minute. But um, you talking like that kind of reminds me of a, a theory that I have about the game, okay. about players. In that um, the 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 technical ability can be not that different between national league, league two, all the way up. It's the player's individual ability to make the right choices. So you can still have someone in non-league, in national league, that can smack the ball into the top corner from 40 yards. They've got that ability. But it's, it's being able to know when to do that and being able to execute it that makes the difference between a player like Kevin De Bruyne, you mentioned, and somebody who plays in league two. Yeah, that's part of it. That's part of it. 100% that's part of it. But it's also, there's lots of other factors that come into that. The guy might be in a non-league because he likes to drink on a Friday night or doesn't dedicate himself as much in the week. So there's there's a multitude of factors that will come into that. And then again, it's the person that gets to the Premier League is the one that makes more right decisions and less bad ones. You know, everybody's got technical ability. You can go and watch, like you say, National League. You can go down lower than that and you'll see guys and go, wow, where's he get, where does he just do that? Yeah. But then you look at it and go, well, why is he here? <coughs> And it's like, you know, maybe dedication. Again, there's an awful lot of bad luck. Wrong manager, wrong club, wrong time. Influences outside of that in his life at that particular moment in time. And he's yeah. a little bit off the old beaten track. And if he'd had the right person at the time to put him back on the right track, that fella could be playing in the Premier League. There's, there's so many different bits and pieces. Like I said, I feel very fortunate. I talked to someone the other week. Would I play now? Probably now I would. Five years ago, probably not. Would I get make it into the, the league? Purely the way I played. I'm not particularly big. I'm certainly not quick. Um, 
but I can play. But the role, the, the role, the midfield role now has changed, so it's gone full circle. Yeah, I, yeah. I played in the Premier League for an element, but I kind of played it. If that made sense, I wasn't, and I'm, I'll openly admit it, I wasn't quite good enough at that particular time to play regularly in the Premier League. I probably played seventy odd games. The game was changing; it was very demanding, very physical. Very, uh, a midfield player was expected to be competitive, up, down, up, down, of a decent size, very athletic. I could run; well, we could all run, but it wasn't. That wasn't my game. But nowadays, being a bit more technical, people have been able to play and pass and. That it probably suit me a bit more now, but like I said, that's just being open. I didn't play the majority of my career was in the championship, and that's where I saw myself. There's going to be loads more that we're going to get into <laughs> when we get into the show properly. Um, it's fascinating stuff. I, I love the way we can go from random topics into different things. It's brilliant. Much more to come when we've heard from our sponsors. With side. <laughs> This season, the Old Gold Club and Wolves TV Matchday Live are powered by Blythe Group. An industry-leading construction company and family-run business since 1982, driving investment and infrastructure across the UK. Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythegroup.co.uk. Blythe Group. Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, as ever, is Chris Willemo. And on this episode, we're joined by a man who made 183 appearances over six years, scoring 14 goals. Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Simon Edward Osborne. Thank you very much for the middle name as well. Yeah, the yeah, full you get, you get <laughs> the, the full, full treatment. Love it. The full Thank name you. treatment whenever you come on this That's program. That's the king, by the way, Edward. Yeah. Well, for many people who watched during that period, you're the king of the midfield. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> Marmite, I think I might probably name myself. Well, as. I mean, we all are. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, very no. true, very true. I guess, I guess, lots of players probably think they were. Why do you think you were? No, just like I said, it's certain times. Like I said, I, I took a few risks, gave the ball away a few times. So some people would take to me, others wouldn't. And like I said, I, it's it's difficult, isn't it? You're ne- you're never going to be liked by everyone. I mean, because it. When we were talking on our podcast, which people can download from all the usual places, there's lots of discussion about the type of midfielder you were. I was thinking about what makes a good midfield pairing, because you were talking about you and Carl Robinson and the way that you would hold back to allow him to go forwards and do stuff. And I was thinking about Neves and Martinho now and maybe Inson Ray that kind of followed your time at the club and you had Carl Henry and Dave Jones looms. What what made you work? Because there was a lot of midfielders at the club when you first arrived. Yeah, there was an awful lot. I think it's just, you sort of get, sometimes it just hit off with someone. Like I said in the forwards, you hit off with another player who understands and the ball's coming to you, where he's going to be to help you out. Again, sometimes picking up the spaces that you leave, like for myself, is picking up like a Kyle Robinson. Um, and those little bits, you sort of gel. You know, I'd like to play sort of maybe for more forward passes where somebody else might be a ball winner. Um, so that's so the, the different dynamics between the two of you and then a lot of the times then it went into the midfield three so you know you'd have a Tony Dinning alongside you or someone like that um, but yeah when I first come to the club there were some fantastic players here you know Paul Short, um Gordon Cowens was here when I first got here um, people like that and you're just watching these guys train and even even then me sort of coming up just been signed for a bit of money and you're still watching these guys day in day out and you're thinking well you know he's an international that's the level you've got to get to yeah 
you don't have to have a relationship off the pitch though, do you? You know, like it's a lot of people put an importance on that now. You talk about Carl Henry and David Jones, they they were joined at the hip. But I've also seen where they don't go on, but as soon as they cross the line, that just that just kind of clicks into place. Oh, 100%. That understanding. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, you, you don't have to... Like I said, you, you have a friendship, you have an admiration, you have a, a respect for somebody who's playing alongside you. And it's a mutual respect, hopefully. But you don't have to go out for dinner for them. You don't, you don't have to buy them birthday presents. 100% plus it saved you a few quid at Christmas. <laughs> um, so, no, you don't have to have that. But again, it, and I think a lot of that comes from the respect. The respect from what you do during the week in training to also when it's not going so well, I think, is the true mark of things is when it's not going well. Are you going to keep doing the same things or are you going to be one of those guys that wants to hide and shy away? And I, I think probably some of the times when things weren't probably going as well for me on the pitch... I'm, I'm, unfortunately I'm not going to go and hide I'm going to keep trying to do it and I might give the ball away a load more times but I will keep doing it We touched on it before sorry uh, with, with, with Mark McGee so how did the whole Wolves thing come about and, and what was your, your thought process before you, you joined the club? Well like I said I was at, at Palace went to Reading had a really good season at Reading uh, really enjoyed my football under Mark McGee it got to the end of the season I'd had a bit of a dodgy knee injury sort of uh, New Year's Eve and missed a couple of months of football Came back, it wasn't quite right, but we was obviously going for the playoffs and so on and so forth. So I carried on playing. Then I had another up at the end of that season. Um, Mark McGee went to Leicester, showed a bit of interest. Ray Wilkins at QPR. So I then decided to stay in the Premier League or get into the Premier League with Ray Wilkins, signed there. Signed in the July, didn't didn't work out for whatever reason. Just one of those things. We didn't see eye to eye. I didn't play as much as I felt I did. And I just wanted to play football. It was just, I wanted to play every Saturday. I don't want to sit on the bench. I didn't want to not be involved um, especially after having the season before and it, you know it was brilliant highlighted at Wembley and then obviously Mark moved here uh, my agent at the time sort of phoned up and said look Mark's gone to, to Wolves obviously wants to try and take you there would you be interested in talking to him I was like desperate yes 100% you know I want to I want to play football I don't yeah. care where it is Yeah, I want to play in the first team I want to go out every week I want to play in front of the fans I want to that's my Saturday you know that's that's what you you, you play football for you want to play on, the, on a Saturday you don't want to sit on the bench and came up, met with Mark here, had a look round, stadium, you know, even then you're looking at it going, this is a you know, this is a nice stadium. The, the training pitch was yes, we trained we got changed here and went down, but it was all set up and I was just like, Yep, you know, I'm I'm up for this. Grand Taylor's obviously left not long ago. You're sort of looking at it, this is a club that should in that period of time, we should have got promoted. I don't care what you say. We felt, basically as, as a as a team, as a collective, we felt we should have got promoted. With the players we had at a certain time was certainly good enough to get out of it, the, the championship. And, um, and that's when I just signed there, Chris, I came up, talked to him, explained it. He said, I want you to do the same stuff he was doing before. Got faith in you, I've seen it at Reading. Will you sign? I just went, yeah, straight away. We'll get to some of those nearly moments. Oh, um, but just, I'm just fascinated because when you first arrived, and I know they weren't all there because some moved out, but you had Mark Atkins, Paul Birch, Steve Corica, Gordon Cowens, Tony Daly, obviously a bit more wide. Uh, Neil Emblem, Darren Ferguson, um, yourself, Mark Rankin. Carl Robinson was at the club but didn't really no, feature in that first season. Uh, Vinny Samways had come in on loan. Jeff Thomas. That's an awful lot of central midfielders. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot. Yeah, Like I said, he was changing it as well, though, Mark. Gordon didn't really play a lot at the end of that season. He was sort of coming toward the end of his career. Um, and there was a few of the guys were going out. Jeff was still unfortunately injured. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't see it that way. I didn't. I didn't look who was here. As a footballer, you don't look who's at a football club. I, I didn't. I didn't look at it and go, "Oh, there's lots of people there. I might not play." Yeah. I just looked at it and spoke to the manager, saw the place, 
felt that it was right for me at that particular time. I didn't care who's here. I, I trusted what I wanted to do. If, if I come to the football club and produce what I can pl- produce, I play. So that, you know, if you don't play me and I'm doing well, then I'll be knocking on your I was just going to ask you that. So if you had looked at the, the players that were there, you would have made the same decision anyway because you've got that confidence in your own ability, what you're about. Same decision. Manager shows faith in you, wants to sign you for money. And like I said, if I can produce what he wants me to produce, then I, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I should get in the team. There's times when, as you well know, Chris, where you feel you're doing well and you're not in the team and you are asking, and you will be asking the questions, why not? Why not? And it might be, oh, we're winning. Okay, I can suffer that. Well, we didn't win. And then the moment that we didn't win, yeah. another knock on the door, we didn't win. Why am I not in? And, and But you're trusting yourself. And that's when, you know, you have to train well. You have to try and look after yourself, do the best as you can. Be upbeat. I'm, I'm one of them people, fortunately, not a joker, but I like to go in. I enjoyed training. I'd moan, don't get me wrong, yeah. you know. Cones come out for running. It's the old running athletics club and all the, <laughs> the usual rubbish that always goes on. That someone always says, but I always enjoy training. I love training. And um, and it was one of the things, you know, they call me a chirpy cockney. I'm not a cockney, but I'd always be a little bit upbeat and try and try and come in and, and enjoy training and get something out of it. And then, But when it starts getting, when you're not playing a lot of time, it, you start getting a little bit despondent with it. Again, injuries are a big part of it as well. But yeah, I just, I would have made exactly the same choice. Never changed it one little bit. Never regretted it at all. So is there a part of you that quite enjoyed competition? Yeah, I think you have to. I think it's for what, you know, myself and Chris have done as a as a profession, you have to enjoy the competition. Because if you don't, it, it, can, it can send people under. I've seen some really good footballers that couldn't handle the Saturday. Fantastic trainers. Yeah. You know, and it, but come the Saturday with that little bit of added pressure, that little bit more in it, would it be competition playing against somebody else from another team when he's playing against his teammates that he's friends with? Come the Saturday, just couldn't produce that same form that you'd seen from Monday to Friday. Just couldn't do it. And that's, again, is it pressure? Is it a bit of competition because the other guy's now up against him? There's not quite a competition in training. It, it's intense, but it's never quite the same as what you're playing in a match. So that's, you know, you have to have that little bit in there. Would you say that frustration, like you never really kind of got got to show that in, in, in the Premier League with Wolves and not really get there? Was that a, a low point? Yeah, I think it was. I think because of the players, when you look at when you look back, I think when you, you in hindsight, it's a great thing as we know. When you look back at what we had at the time, you had everything really that we should have been pushing for automatic promotion, mm-hmm. not sneaking into the playoffs and then just falling out of it, you know. Yeah. Steve, as you've talked about Steve Ball, Don Goodman, John DeWolf was here at certain times. The players, you, you, you can drag out your stats on there. The players we had here, we should have been better than we were. And we, we got close a couple of times, but never quite got over the line. And it wasn't for the want of trying, it wasn't for, for anything. It was just certain moments, key moments in key seasons, we let ourselves down and it, that, that just knocks the whole thing out of it. You know, Being in the playoffs and drawing at Grimsby, say, nil-nil, I think it was. You're not then back in it. You get out of it. You can't get back in it. This, and that's probably the one regret because I felt at the time, as a team on our day and at certain things, which was highlighted by certain cup runs, we should have been better than we were, hundred percent. You know, I picked up a few injuries while I was here, which didn't help. But I still think the squad we had was ample to get us into yeah. that in that Premiership. And to be fair to Dave Jones, like I said, I, I left when Dave came in. Um, I was captain and left. It's just one of those things he wanted to change. And to be fair to him, he bought. You know, a bit of a new broom in, and within a couple of years, the guys have got promoted. You know, brought in Alex Ray, Colin Cameron, people like that, and that's what managers get live and die for. I had, you know, my time at Wolves probably was was done. Much as I hated it, um, it was probably at that time where someone's going to come in and go, actually, now we haven't done it. You know, and that's why managers get paid big bucks. We haven't done it. Why haven't we done it? Okay. Yeah. 
Move on. You're so philosophical about this, though. Because <laughs> you... at the time it's not. It's at the time it's not. Don't get me wrong. At the time it's you know deadline day. I'm left and, and I left here and went to Tranmere. At the time, it, you, like really, I, I didn't really play under him. We had a couple of ding dongs, but that's just how it is. That's just football. And he, but then when you look at it, and then when I came back in, in the summer, and, and he allowed me to just come in do a bit of training, a bit and pieces to keep myself ticking over. I had no problems with it. It's done. You know, you have to look at it that way. You can't if you live your life regretting everything you've done in your life. You'll never sleep. But this is the thing that, like, because when we first started the podcast, you joked about the Reading playoff final. That, like, because people might forget this, that only, like, one team went up automatically that year. So yeah. you actually finished second. Yeah. You're then part of, like, an epic playoff final, because they were all pretty much yeah. epic in that period in the 90s and stuff. Um, and then you kind of get a little short spell at the Premier League, and then you come back to Wolves, and then you're, like, losing the playoffs to your old team. <laughs> you then... You I'm, the, I'm actually not going to go home tonight, am I? <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing, and then, no, know. you know, you're seventh yeah. consistently up there. You had the FA Cup semi-final that you end up not being able to play in, and it, like, if that was me, I don't know whether I'd be chirpy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it must be lot, so frustrating. Listen, there's lots of... You know, I've had... Serious knee operations, like Chris will tell you, we've had injuries. I, I play, it's not something you don't expect to get patted on the back for it, but I played the season we got beat by Palace. I played from March through to the end of the season, and I barely trained. You know, he'll tell you, yeah. we've had knee problems. Yeah. I had, a, I had a, my knee was playing me up basically from what I'd had previously, and so I'd literally play on a Saturday, we'd come in on a Monday, the doctor would drain my knee, I sit down, I'm not trained, I'd go on a bike, I might jog around on a Thursday. Do a little bit on a Friday, play Saturday. If there was a Tuesday game, I didn't do any training. You'd play Saturday, Tuesday. And it's like I said, you know, I'm not expecting, I don't want to pat on the back for it. I'm not, what, you want to play. You want to get promoted. You know, I'm not asking for a medal. You just do it because you want to play, you want to get promoted. And then sometimes you look at little bits and go, well, actually, I played football. You know, I played 500 games or whatever it is. Yeah. Why, why am I going to be bitter about it? Why am I going to be not? You know what I mean? Why well, am I not going to be happy about it? I get people can be bitter now the money, the this, the that. The fame's great. Don't get me wrong. We'd all love it. I'd love to not be working. Trust me, I'd love to not be working. But I had some great times and I wouldn't change them for one thing. See, that's it. It's, and it is. It's what you just said there in hindsight. You know, what if what if my knees were, were fine? Because I think I got one day, one day a season, that, and it was the first day of pre-season that you never had a niggle, that you never had swelling there if it wasn't. And just what you're saying, I, I couldn't walk. There's, 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 you'd go from day to day where you couldn't actually even you, it wasn't possible for you to train and then all of a sudden you'd pop your pill you'd have your injection and you'd go out and play and then you knew the next four days were a write off and it's just part but again you do it because you go out and play sometimes you'd be excellent sometimes you'd be yeah not yeah, very good not very good but that's not an excuse was it no not at all you, you, didn't, didn't, yeah. you didn't make the injury the injury wasn't the never excuse, an excuse. Yeah. it wasn't an excuse <laughs> it was just part of what you had to manage exactly. at that particular time and then like I said I went that was probably that was probably my lowest point at Wolves was that. Not that I lost playoffs, I was gutted about that stuff. The worst point was I had that knee injury, got all the way to the end of the season, and it wasn't anybody's fault. You go and see the, this guy and that guy, and you see all these do that. And I literally went all through the summer doing this rigorous programme. It'll be fine. You haven't you do this, do this, do this. So literally every day, gym, strengthening this, this, build it up, build it up, build it up. Come all the way back to pre-season, start the running, thinking, oh, this, you know, this feels all right. Don't feel too bad, do the running. The moment we got into the ball work a little bit more and then it started getting more intense, I, I literally come off the pitch down at Compton there crying. Literally. I was like, oh, not not crying, frustration. Oh, my knee's killing me. Gaffer, what's the matter? I said, my knee's killing me. I can't kick the ball. 
it's my left knee, so I was placing it. I go, I can't kick the ball. Yeah. And he went, but we, I said, I've done all this stuff, honestly. I said, I cannot kick the ball. I can still feel it now. I can still, honestly, I get emotional thinking about it now. Yeah. It hurt me that much yeah. that I couldn't play. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah. So, because this is then the, the kind of the almost unanswerable question, probably. If you had people like you who were prepared to do that and put yourself through that personal pain to play, you had, the, as you said before, the components of players in the squad, in and around mm. it. You know, it, it, later on in the period, you had the likes of Robbie Keane and people coming through, and you had Steve yeah, yeah, Fogger yeah. before that, and real talented players around. Oh, yeah. Why did it never work then? Honestly, I've been asked that so many times. I can't, I honestly cannot put my finger on any particular reason. We trained well. Yeah, we liked a night out. I think everybody at that particular time did. We worked hard. We, you know, we worked on the shape. We watched the other teams. We did all the stuff that we're supposed to. Honestly, if I could answer that question, I'd be Pep. Yeah, I would be Pep because I've n we have no idea. We, like you said, we had all the components. We had all the plat. We did the right. You know, the team were good. You know, we were not just a team. We were not, not. Not everybody was friends, but we had a good team spirit at that particular time. But we just couldn't. We couldn't go that final bit, that final hurdle. Just couldn't get over it. Whatever it was, the, the playoff losing to Palace, the getting into the playoff, then just dropping back out of it. I honestly, can't tell you what that was. Was the expectation too high? No, I don't think so because you placed it on yourself. You place yeah. it on yourself with what you got. You, you know, you look around you. You know, if I'm in the dressing room, and I'm looking at Chris and Carl Henry and this and that. I'm going to be going in the championship, going really. We need to be in the top half. We don't need to be eleventh. You know, with what you're sitting within in and around you, you'll be looking at your guys around you, and we're going. You'd have the conversations. We'd have to, you know, you'd have the what are we doing, what are we not doing. You'd sit there, wouldn't we? Go out for a couple of beers or whatever, and we'd have a little heart to heart and go, you know, what are we doing? What, What's happening? Not just the management, that was players. That's the coils, yeah. 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 And you'd have that, you know, and you might have the odd one or two, you're not pulling your weight and whatever, you know, and that would happen. Be done, be dusted, back in, get on with it again. Maybe not expectation from you guys then, but externally, because listen, I've spoken to a lot of ex-players mm. doing this and doing other things, and that place out there, when it's going right oh, and yeah. it's rocking, it's amazing. There are a lot of players that will say when it's not going right, it's one of the worst yeah. places it's, to It's play. harsh. It can be really harsh. And that's why I think maybe that was some of it is that people couldn't, if it wasn't quite going as well as it was, maybe some of those guys would not hide, but not be able to take it. Instead of trying to go, right, let's just keep doing the stuff that we know will get us get us somewhere, try and change a little bit of something, maybe not quite go to extra 5%, and maybe that expectation, because you're in a quite a bubble here. You know, a lot of us at the time lived in and around the area, so there are people constantly, you're, you know, Saturday night you might be sitting down and yeah. a meal you've lost. You're only having a meal, you're not having a drink. Oh, you lot are rubbish today, this, that, the other. Maybe that had an effect on it. Yeah, but with that group of players, players couldn't hide, they weren't allowed to hide because it'd be called out. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? And that's something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't be, but you know, Chris, as well as anything, if you're not quite 100%. At certain you times, it, you, you can get you can get past. You can get through a game sometimes, and not coast, but do enough to get through it. And then somebody go seven, six. Yeah, that's all right. It's not an eight, but if you're a six and a seven, James Milner, you know James Milner, seven, 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 eight, nine, seven, seven, seven. That's why the guy plays so many games. Yeah. He is Mister Dependable, and if you've got those guys that do that. You've got half a chance. And like I said to you, we, we've analysed it. You look it back, you go for the players, go, how did we not do that? We was in pole position and then we blew out. We had a shocking week where we drew two games and lost one. You know, yeah. one week of just too many players at particular times, 
not playing well. So if you've got five or six in the team that's having a shocker, you're in trouble. You've got two, you can carry a couple, but you can't carry four or five. And that's, I think at the time, we just didn't, we just couldn't get it. We just couldn't finish that, that last little bit off. The club wasn't hugely stable off the field either for a lot of that period, was it? Not particularly, but it wasn't anything that, that didn't bother you. You know, we, we'd get changed here, we'd go down to the training ground, we'd train, we'd come back. Uh, your weights and stuff was down here. It's all different now. And there was a bit of in, in instability upstairs and whatever else. But I don't think players of us at that time didn't really take any notice of it. If I'm honest with you, I'd, it wouldn't bother me one little bit. I didn't look at it and go, oh, what's going on up there? All I'd worry about is going into training, training or not training and playing. And that, that stuff, I think that's a, that's a red herring for me, 100% yeah. red herring. See, the, with the regime then, what was the difference like, with Mark McGee and Colin Lee? What was what was different in, in the whole outlook, coming into training every day, them, man management? What was Mark was the more man, man manager. Mark was the sort of little bit more upbeat, Aberdeen, joining a little bit here and there. Um, he was a bit more like that. Knew his football, obviously had that. Colin was the sort of more the tactician. He was the one that would set the sessions set the, the shape and the style he'd take that sort of bit of it where Mark would be the sort of man manager one and them, those two worked really well Yeah, and I think they had a bit of a falling out here and obviously Mark went and Colin took over um, and again I, we can talk about a lot of things and I think with a manager and a number two there, there needs to be like we talk about midfield players and centre forwards there needs to be that that little gel between those two guys as well you need to have him and him because sometimes he's the bad guy and sometimes he's the bad guy and you can't both be bad guys or or both be funny and, and I think that also adds to it I think Colin at the time was fine we had John Ward come in they were both good don't get me wrong both great guys both good guys but sometimes I think they're a little bit too similar and I think sometimes you need that little bit of change yep. and um, like I said I, I always got on well with them you know the same thing I'd stand up rouse with Colin Lee so it's the same same as you do with any manager you, you feel you should be playing and you've got a manager at the time saying to you oh, I didn't think you'd get back for your knee and I'm like oh cheers thanks very much yeah. Thanks yeah. for that, Gaff. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, you battle through, and then you're sort of sitting there going, "What do I, what do I need to do to get any football into your team?" Well, well, you tell me then. That was always the best one. Steve Coppel told me that years and years back. Because I went in, I used to go and see Steve Coppel when I was at Palace, and I was, you know, 17, just going to ask him things, and obviously Man United and whatever. And he was only a young manager at the time. And I remember going in to ask him something, and he just used to start talking, and I'd come out and go, "I didn't even ask him." He just baffled me straight away. Start talking to him. He'll start asking me questions straight away. So by the time I tried to ask him, like Gaff, what do I need to get in the team? I'd already walked out the door. I'd go out the door and go. I can't knock on it now, can I? I've got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've not asked him why. <laughs> yeah. How do I get in the team? He's just baffled me with a few questions. I've answered a few back, and then I've gone. Oh, cheers, Gaffer. Walked out. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Brilliant. Could you have that same relationship with Mark McGee or Colin Lee? Uh, Colin Lee doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. Little bits. You'd, you'd still go in. It's like any, it doesn't matter whatever manager you have. Like I said, I've got respect for every single manager I've worked under. Don't see eye to eye with all of them. No. Had fallouts with every single one of them, from Steve Coppel right the way through to, to... I didn't have one with Graham Turner, weren't there long enough, but down at Hereford. But all the way through till I finished with Merce. You have disagreements. But so long as they're healthy and it's and you feel... That you, you know, sometimes you sit there and you'd stew and stew and stew and think, I need to go and see him. You'd stew and then in the end you go, do you know what, I'm going to go and see him. And you'd see him and you'd come out and go, actually, I should have done that last week. Didn't play last week, why don't you go and see him? You try and train. So you, you have it with all of them. You have it with all of them. But you've got to respect because you've got to remember they And it's difficult when you're playing, when you stop or when you manage, you then realise how much other stuff comes into it. Yeah. You're not just, you know, we've managed ourselves basically as footballers. You manage yourself. 
Make sure you're getting on time. Make sure you do your training. Make sure you've got this, that, the other. When you're a manager, you're managing everybody and his emotions and your emotions. And I'm emotional. And she's had a baby. And he's done something else. It's all different. And he's crashed his car. And he can't get a nice haircut because the geezer's done it wrong. And he's just lost his cat. There's a million different things that come into that. Do you know what I mean? And you've got to manage all of that stuff. And then you've got your session all set out and you've got a lovely session plan. Like I said, I can remember doing that wall. So you get your session sorted out. We've got all these. You're walking in the morning, you go, all right. Physio goes, no, easy, all easy, all easy. And you go, I throw your session plan in the bin. Because yeah. you've got 10 players. And you go, all right, might as well have a game then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it awkward? when Mark McGee left and Colin Lee became manager? Because I guess if you if one is gaffer and one is the assistant and then suddenly he's now gaffer. Mm. That's always difficult. It's always difficult when someone within within the so-called group, because they moved from Reading to, to Leicester together as a three. There was him, uh, Colin and Mick Hickman. So they went from Reading to Leicester, then from Leicester as a group to Wolves. So when one stays... It's always a little bit tricky. It's always a bit prickly on the initial part of it. Yeah. Because no one's, you know, we all talk with gossips, don't we? It's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, they've had a fallout. You know, we make something up. I don't know, he nicked his car or whatever it is. Yeah. And um, it was a little bit, and it was a little bit. And like I said, that's where it becomes a little bit difficult because then Colin becomes the manager <coughs> more than the coach or the assistant, whatever you want to call it. And then it's he's calling the shots effectively, where previously it's Mark maybe naming the team, and now it's Colin. So it becomes a little bit different, a little bit, a little bit strange at first to understand of what's what, and then the new coach comes in or whoever he brings in there, and it's like. Because mm. if Colin Lee was the tactician, did the tactics change after he left? Um, personnel probably. He, he, he brought people in that probably he felt. What happens then is he he's, he's you sit and talk. Me and Chris, oh, you should play you or, oh yeah. no no, he's done really well in training this week. No, I think he should play. He's not let us down last week or whatever it is. So he'll have, not favourites, it's not favourites, it's just people that they feel will benefit the team more. So I might benefit him and Chris might not. That's yeah. Colin's opinion to his opinion. So when he comes in, it tends to be more of a little personnel change more than a massive tactic change or we're going from four four two to three five two. It just tends to be, I actually like him better there or I like him better there. And that's how it sort of changes around a little bit. Yeah, he's like, like one of them. He's, he's the one that's he's making the decision, isn't he? That's the... The management role, I think he can give his opinion with, with Mark McGee, and but it all fell on Mark then, wasn't it? So yeah. it's then. So when, like, so when Colin then gets into, it, is it like a clean slate for everyone to show again? Because he's been in the building already, so it's not really that lift from the the group that you would usually get then, is it? No, it's not. Hundred percent, you're dead right. It's not the same because Colin might not like someone, so he, the, that person, player, be it me, knows exactly. Always has a preconceived idea already what Colin does or doesn't like about him. Yeah. When a new manager comes in as you well know it's clean slate unless somebody's told him that you're a bad egg or whatever it is from somebody else and that will happen but yep. typically he already knows the group like you say he already knows the group he already knows the personnel it is the this that the other and sometimes it's it's almost the icing on the cake for somebody who hasn't been playing under Colin or Mark for him to just be that's your final now and then sometimes you've got to realise that and go actually I might as well get out of the door here because yeah. I'm not going to play when Mark went did it? Was it the right time? Should he have had longer? I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? It's a results-driven business, and at the time, it wasn't. We weren't playing brilliantly. We weren't getting great results. We weren't terrible. That's what um, I was going to say. You wasn't like you were miles off. It. No, we weren't. We weren't. But it's just, and sometimes people, whether some other stuff had gone on behind the scenes, I couldn't answer that. But at the time, you're thinking maybe. Maybe not, but then you're looking at it and going, well, these guys want to get promotion. We feel we should have the squad to get promotion. 
And in the end, someone makes that decision. And again, it's, it's strange at the time because then, you, like you said, you're thinking, well, they're a collective. They've not gone as a collective. Is there something else that we don't ever know about? Yeah. Unless we got Mark McGee around the neck and asked him, we, we probably won't know that. Sorry, the same, same question for, for Colin Lee then. You know, when David Jones come in, what was, uh, how did you feel about that? Was that? It was a strange one for me. For, for Like I said, I played and obviously Dave came in. Um, I broke my toe somewhere, I think Wickham away, I think I might have broke my toe and I was struggling to get back in and then came back and felt I was doing okay training-wise. Um, but I think he'd, he'd, he'd set himself going, right, well, I'm not going to play. You know, I'd been here six years. Obviously, yeah. I was club captain at the time, whatever. Yeah. He thought, right, time for time for that. So we had a couple of run-ins. Um, leading up to it you know just the usual sort of stuff I want to play he doesn't want to play me I'm not getting involved whatever it is so in the end I just uh, made the decision at the time they were trying to ask wanted me to go to Tranmere Tranmere were bottom of the league at the time at, at, as it was I dug my heels in a little bit um, as you do sort of said you know I've done six years here bit of loyalty let me make make the decision not forcing me out I'm not yeah, going anywhere yeah, of course, yeah. I'm not going anywhere yeah. unless I want to you know my family's here I don't have to my contract was running out um, and he was going to make a, a clean sweep so I had no problem with that and then once he'd made the decision and it was done I went up to Tranmere and played the last sort of 10 games up there at, at Tranmere to the end of the season obviously they got relegated um, and like I said after that whenever I spoke to Dave Jones after that it was absolutely fine like it's gone, done he made his decision two, le- two years later promotion so it's, it's fully justified of what he was doing at that particular time and that's what he got paid for Yeah. Um, and then I sort of went to Tranmere and uh, we'll cut a long story short I ended up not with a football club the following season so I'd gone from Wolves here, championship club captain, um, got messed about with an agent, long story, and ended up the following pre-season with no football club. I eventually signed at Port Vale, Brian Hall, and I was driving to somewhere to play, mm-hmm. a couple of people, and I was driving up the motorway to go to Halifax, I think it was Tony Parks was at Halifax at the time, and I was just like, I need to get a club, this is ridiculous, I'm 30. And I got messed around, long story, didn't get this, didn't get that. Some agent was promising this, I was trying to offer the contract to turn it down, want to stand the championship, so on and so forth. And then I came in, Dave was kind enough to let me train a couple of days and bits and pieces and see the fizz and, and, and get some rehab stuff, not rehab stuff, but just keep ticking over in the gym and that. So it was absolutely perfect. Anytime you want to come down, I was like, you can come down. Perfect. Brilliant. Yeah. And then literally drove up the road, was going up there, up to Halifax, got a phone call from Bobby Barry, a friend of mine who runs an agency now and his mate. And he said, listen, I've just been on the phone to Brian Alton at Port Vale. Will you go in there? I said, yeah, I'll go in. I said, going for a trial? I went, yeah, no problem. Of course I will. All right, trust myself. I'll go in. Literally turned the car around at Nutsford, drove back down, went into Port Bell, went in, obviously met Brian Orton, sort of dragged me in the office. So we went, so what's the story? I went, what do you mean? What's the story? Why haven't you got a football club? I went, oh, I'm not going to bore you with the details. So honestly, I said, I, I, I said, let me train and we'll talk afterwards. And he went, all right, fair enough. So he sent me out to training. I think it was a reserve team in training. Went out, trained, did what I do, was fit, kept myself in decent shape, trained, played. So literally session finished, he went, get in my office in a minute so just literally I went alright I'll come see you in a minute so anyway got changed walked back down walked in the office so I went so you're going to tell me a story now I said I haven't got a story I said I'm not a bad egg I've not done this so I said speak to Dave Jones I said I fell out with him but he says why not got a football club I said oh agents I'm not even going to talk to you about it so he went okay he said uh, will you sign I went yeah whatever he said what do you want I went do it I don't care he said just want to play football he went alright I'll be that in a minute so he went upstairs come down he went look I'll give you a month contract I went fine so I signed it there and then Played six games and then went to Gillian. That was it. Just literally done it like that. He went, we signed. I went, yeah, of course. Just signed it. Just wanted to play football. <coughs> Just got back in. He, he literally went, you're not playing in reserves. So literally pulled me off the pitch. He went, you're not playing in reserves. I said, no chance. He said, you're in the squad Saturday. Literally just pulled it out, played Saturday. 
and <laughs> we're just going to finish our um, main part of the show on kind of an element of attempting to rewrite history which is cool. this is a, a big part of kind of what we always talk about so if I said to you that in 1997 you get past Palace and you win that playoff final <clears throat> and the team gets promoted <coughs> and Sir Jack says I'm going to pump some money in what would have happened to this football club? Um, probably would have yo-yoed, if I'm honest with you, for a couple of years. I don't think the infrastructure in that was set to 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 stay or sustain Premier League status. Personally, that's just my personal opinion. We we didn't really have a training ground. We didn't really have a facility that was going to take you to the next level. It, that was starting to come in. There were clubs that had it. We were a little bit probably behind <coughs> the times on that. So I would say we're probably one of those teams that would. Yo, you're up and down. Personally, you could throw all the money in the world here, but you know I'm obviously in construction now. But if I build on sand, the thing will subside yeah. eventually. You know, and I think that would probably what would have happened at that particular time. You know, you look at what what's now. This has taken the step up to the Premier League, the step back down, all the heartache that's happened to then go. Actually, you know, we need a solid academy. We need a training ground. We need this. We need that. So you put the building blocks in place, and then eventually it all falls into place, doesn't it? Everything, all the other jigsaw pieces then all to come together you've got the right players at the right time with the manager that's coming with a different ethos and all of a sudden it goes back up again you know this wall stands out there about soul Wackens and people like that they'll drive them mad but at that particular time and now you look at it now the base is set you've got a man that's got a philosophy and a way of playing you've got the players that are bought into that ethos and you've got you know you, you look at what you've got and that's what you get it's brilliant to have you in Thank you for coming up. No problem. Making a special journey to come and see us. There is plenty more that we've talked to Simon Osborne about, and we'll talk more as well on our extended podcast available from all the usual places. Thank you very much for watching. The Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So that was the show, on with the podcast. Um, it is fascinating listening to you talk about some of those times at the club because I think I said to you like we've had people you know who were who were there for parts of it but not you know you were one of those who was there from between all of it between Taylor <laughs> and Jones and, yes. and that's the yeah. and that's a fascinating period because when Paul Butler came in yeah Paul Butler talked about um when he first arrived and being shocked at um walking into the dressing room and I think he said, um, I think he pretty much admitted it was Steve Sedgley had like was in a bath with somebody and had pooed in the bath. And um, Harvard Flo, I think it was, was riding around the pitch naked on a bike and mm. and just being baffled by. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a bit. There was a few then at that time. Like I said, I think obviously Butts, great guy, Butts. I love you know when he come in, good good captain, good guy. And it was just, I think it was just a change. There was people that, like I said, you. You got up to bits and pieces, but certainly it was getting... At that time, I think it got, there was a little bit too much going on. Certainly oh, really? I think it just got to the point with what had been going on. And again, maybe, you know, in hindsight, thinking about it now, what we were talking about there, potentially it was the players that, again, weren't the favourite or the so-called favourites of Colin Lee. And they're going, well, you've stayed here. And players will say, well, you've stabbed him in the back. You know, we'll... We'll push the boundaries. We'll try and get away with as yeah. much as we possibly yeah. can. And that was maybe it. Like I said, I've never really thought about it that way before. And until people say to you, you actually look back and go, actually, yeah, you're probably right. The dressing room maybe had become a little bit, we didn't really have anyone particularly. 
at that time. You know, we had Muzzy at the time, who was a, a good player, a little bit like to tackle. Um, a little bit a little a little bit on the edge at certain times and I think maybe that understatement sort of... <laughs> of every podcast we've ever done thank you I like to get something in yeah so I think maybe at that time and, it, and maybe it was a discipline problem you know yeah. hindsight maybe it was you know we've got our captain Muzzy who was getting sent off on a regular basis great player Muzzy great guy um, but I never played on the same team in a five side so we'd moan at each other so they put us on opposite teams obviously I was club captain at the time Muzzy was the team captain. Not not that it made any difference. It was just I had more responsibilities of doing stuff around here because I could talk rubbish. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I had a face of radio apparently. I don't know what I'm <laughs> The usual ones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that to me. <laughs> I know we're on podcast now. It's all gone. Unfortunately I've lost the voice for radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but like, did that annoy you? The, did it annoy you? The, yeah, but it's again, it's difficult. I can only, you can only as a player manage yourself. You, you tell people but you can't stop him doing stuff. With the greatest respect, I can't tell him if he's got the be in his bonnet with the manager and he wants to be a little bit unruly. I can't stop him doing it. Yeah, I could go, Chris, mate, wind your neck in, and he'd probably hit me. But you could only say it. It had to be taken. The management would then have to take that. If he felt the dressing room was, if he felt he had one or two, and again, it only takes one small does to fester, and it happens really, really quickly. It's interesting though, isn't it, mate? Because uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not the last time that there's been like club captain and on-field captain and mm. that kind of thing around. Like, it's almost like what makes a good captain? Because I think I've gone on record before as saying that um, in all the time that I've been around the club, um, Sam Ricketts always stood out to me mm. as a real strong leadership figure to the point where even when he left the club, the first Christmas after he'd left, he came back mm. and brought bottles of wine for all the staff at the training ground. Yeah, I think, again, Chris had told you the same thing. The leader doesn't have to be particularly vocal at certain points, doesn't have to be the big shout and screamer. There's certain things that people do that they look at. Again, I talk about it, I talked about it earlier. If you've got the respect to your players, that's part of it. Yeah. You know, if you if he's happy every week, like I'm out on a pitch with him and, and, you know, I might not play well or whatever else. If he's comfortable with that, it's the same as having an armband, honestly it is. You'd all, you'd all be certain captains at certain points. He'd be talking to his centre forward partner or the winger next yeah. time he gets, the, you know, next time you get an opportunity, just put it in. So that's all part of being a captain. Sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a job title, but it's a, it's a role that people are given. And then when they give it certain other things, it's just, it shouldn't make a difference. You get certain people that are natural born leaders. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Are they going out the game? Possibly. Is it, you know, Connor Cody, people talk about him and what he's doing at the moment because he's, he's affluent, he talks well, he has the heart, you know, he, he speaks about it. And they're, they're, sometimes that's, that's a leader that people want to see. But on the pitch, it might be somebody else that's shouting and screaming. Gio Martino is going to be dragging people up. That's different. Yeah, but should, on the pitch, it. It should, there should be more. Shouldn't they, should, they, should, they should all be captains in should, their own right, shouldn't they? Yeah, it should be. You'll, you'll always get people that are less confrontational, a little bit quieter, things like that. You know, <coughs> Lee Naylor would tell you that Keith Kerr would drive him incessantly mad by not letting him go forward. I don't know if he said it in his podcast. Because Keith Kerr would be standing there going, now's where you're going, now's where you're going. Because Keith Kerr wanted cover. So Keith was looking after himself by not letting Nails go because Keith could run, by the way. He was quick. But he didn't want to be exposed to run down the channel. So he wouldn't let Nails go because he's the experienced pro. Nails is the young guy. So you use your experience, sit there, just wait. And if that ball gets played in the channel, I ain't got to go and get it. Nails goes and gets it. <laughs> There's a difference. So that's being, yeah. a, that's being a captain in some respects because you're using that to protect yourself. Not protect yourself, 
but just knowing that I'll tell you what I'd rather not give a goal away yeah. than having to chase the geezer down there so it's quite simple so you use those little bits and that's part yeah. of being a captain yeah. stroke leader stroke as you say on field you had the ability on field ball went out of play to have a chat with Carl or whatever and go fellas this ain't working Just turn it around for five minutes Yeah. stick it in the corner let's go and play in there yeah. for ten minutes whatever we do or do us a favour Carl leave one on him yeah. He was quite good at that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, you know, do us a favour. Let's try and get the crowd up with us. by Make a tackle, Cole. Do something. Let's try and... Whatever it is. And that's Cole being a captain. But that's also otherwise going, do us a favour, Cole. Just boot It's someone. happening less and less yeah. today, though. Players yeah. are taking that responsibility themselves. You know, yeah. it's like, and is it a fear factor? You know, then do you think about social media, television? Does it all play a part? Because players are... Well, if I do that, then it's going to get analysed, it's going to get criticised... <laughs> Scared to make a mistake. One hundred percent. The the risk of failure, the fear of failure, yeah. far exceeds the risk of setting up a goal. Yeah, I think. I agree. I think personally yeah. because, oh look what he did there. He should have done that. Maybe should have. Listen, I'd have lo- lots of shoulds and ifs. If I'd done that, I'd have been brilliant. Trust me, I'd have been brilliant. Even better than I was. <laughs> you mentioned him. I wanted to ask you about him, Jean Martinio. Yeah. I mean, he's unbelievable, isn't he? Yeah, but you'd look at all you've got to look at is what he's done. The guy's got 130 caps. You don't play at international level, and this man's done it. You know, I was never good enough. I had a youth cap once, that was about it. You do not get to play at that level if you have not got something above, because there's lots and lots of players like Giambatino and whatever you'd go at, but there is something that takes him from that to that. The next level, yeah. That's the difference. That's the difference from, like I said, I, I fully admit, probably championship was probably my level at that time. So I didn't quite have athleticism, whatever it was, to t- take me to the very next bit. Not for the one of trying, but didn't quite get me from that championship to the premiership. Yes, I played in the premiership, I'm a premiership player, but I'm not really a premiership player. Fact, you know, I'm not going to hide behind it and say, yeah, I played in the premiership. Yeah, great, I did. And I scored in the first ever Premier League day, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> but there's a difference. And then when you get to the level that that man's at, to then take you to the international, and he'll tell you when he played at international, there's a different Another level. level, yeah. You're going up another level. And to do what he's done, like I said, it's these, these people here, to see a player like him are fortunate. You know, I was lucky in my career to play against certain players and you look at them looking back going, and they go, who's the best player you played against? And you go, difficult question. You can, you know, Gaza, Roy Keane, Brian Robson. You can, yeah, oh. the list is endless. <laughs> yeah. And when you're at a football club and you're watching someone here, you think, you know, four years ago, would you see Yao Martino? 130 caps at your football club. But this is the thing that um, you know. You said that you don't think, like five years ago, if you were coming through, that you'd have made it because of your size and athleticism. And and yet you look at Wolves midfield two now; they're not six foot four box to boxers. But it changed. If you look at the the, the the reason is if you go back through history. At the time I was playing, look at England players: Carlton Palmer's. No disrespect, Carlton Palmer, good footballer. Those kind of players at that particular era of time in that mid nineties. That's the kind of player that you wanted. So I was fortunate to get the chance of Palace. It then went quite physical, quite this, that, the other. Then the Barcelona team come in. So everybody went, well, hang on a minute. This midfield three are about two foot seven. Yeah. But wow, can they play? And you had, So all of a sudden people start, they follow, it's trends. They follow trends and change bits and pieces around. And that's what they do. And then they looked at it and went, actually, these guys are really good footballers. Well, okay, so that works. And that's where it sort of changes around. And like I said, at certain times, it, it's, again, it, a pure luck. It's pure luck of who you're playing for. I was playing for District. The guy was the manager who'd done a bit of the uh, Croydon F, uh, District and he was involved at Palace. So luckily I played a little bit there, then dropped out of it, played in goal for a year because I, I felt I was playing too much football. Um, 
done that. I just, you know, I've done stuff like that. I got, <laughs> I got picked to play. It was a funny story. I got picked to play in a Sunday representative team. At the time, we used to play in the Sunday leagues. So I was playing in goal for my Sunday team. Some of them knew that I played on pitch, but most of them, I was just playing in goal. I just thought I'd go in goal for a little bit. And uh, got picked for a representative game. Turned up with a representative. Knew the guy was, because their team was the best team in the league by far. They had all the best players. And uh, sort of rocked up. We were playing, I don't know, Merton District League. Turned up, and he started his name, name the team, name the keeper. I'm thinking, I'm not in. I'm not in goal. Anyway, he's put me in midfield. Obviously, knows he plays for Croydon, whatever else. And so I've just gone, he's gone, yeah, what's up? I went, I'm a goalie. He looked at me and went, what? I went, Sunday, this Sunday representative side here. He went, yeah, I went, well, I'm a goalie. No, but Ozzy, you play midfield. I said, not on Sundays, I don't. I'm playing goal. So, let's see, I didn't play. I come out, my old man said, what are you doing? I went, I'm not playing. He put me in midfield. I said, I'm playing goal, so I didn't play. <laughs> stubborn. Just didn't. I had that little stubborn part image, yeah. you know what I mean? I was like, well, I, I don't play for you on Sunday. I know I play in the week and I know I play for district and whatever else, but on a Sunday with this lot here, I play in goal. So I was stubborn. So I walked out and didn't play. She <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't do it. She said, no, silly stubborn. My old man said, what are you doing with your kit? I went, oh, he's put me in the midfield, Dad. I'm not playing. So my dad went, all right, fair enough, son. Took me home. Fantastic. You, is your son the same as you then? Uh, is he? No. He knows his football, in all fairness to him. He knows his football. He obviously is refing at the moment. Um, it's going really well for him. But he, you know, he, he watches football. He watches stuff. He's looking at the VAR. He's now criticising refs and all sorts. And it's... But yeah, no, he loves it. He loves his football. He watches most obscure stuff, you know. He'll be watching some German stuff and then a bit of Renz and something else. I'm like, wacky, you can't watch this. Not for any reason, but I don't know anyone in it. So I don't, you know, PSG, yeah. we all know. So you watch a bit of PSG, wouldn't you? But you see some of the others and he'll watch Mainz versus something else, you know, Freiburg. And you're like, leave off, son. And it's like, he's like, yeah, but the referees are different in Europe. And oh, leave off. I'm starting watching referees now. <laughs> I've gone. Of course. I've gone. I've gone to the dark side. <laughs> right, let's get on to Looms' rundown. rundown. Right, so quick fire. Best player you played with at Wolves? Steve Ball. Worst trainer at Wolves? Worst Scott trainer. Taylor when he came from Reading. Shocking. <laughs> the biggest mourner? Kevin Muscat. Who was your best friend at Wolves? Uh, New Wembley. This is the best one yet. This. Uh, best and worst dress sense? Best dress sense, I'd probably have to say New Wembley was pretty pretty good. He liked his clobber, but he only had three colours. <laughs> Grey, black and dark blue. <laughs> so he was all right. Worst, well, there was a couple of shockers. Um, Harvard had a bit of dodgy gear. A couple of the foreign boys... Him and um, young lad, uh, Neilstrom, his name, Neistroy. Robin Neistroy, was it a Rob Neistroy? I think his first name was, around about time, shocking. <laughs> Some bad tracksuits, bad tracksuits. I think it was Neistroy. Signing from, uh, I think it was Finnish or German. Shocking. Uh, Make your tell us uh, as we go on. Uh, who was the funniest player that you played with? Steve says he was funny, funny guy. Um, he was like that, just come in, stupid jokes, stupid things he'd do. So quite funny. Uh, best manager you worked for at Wolves? Uh, best time probably I'd have to say I probably under Mark McGee was the best one yep. that I had. And then like I said, a few injuries and bits and pieces. So I'd probably say Mark. Yeah. Uh, what was the best goal you scored for Wolves? Best goal I scored for Wolves? Um, probably the first goal I got here against Watford uh, in the first season I signed. I signed December. I think I scored about March. So a decent strike from outside the box. But it's just nice because I scored at home. It sort of 
to not as a midfield player who scored a lot of goals at Reading to come here I needed to score so it had been like three months so it's a bit of a long time oh, so that was, yeah. that was alright uh, What was the best game that you were involved in for Wolves? Best game atmosphere wise Palace Palace here on the, uh, under the lights semi-final we won that game 2-1 unfortunately we, we lost in the playoff that was the best atmosphere 100% yeah best atmosphere for that the quarterfinals of the cup at Leeds was a great game for different reasons but yeah. as in away at Leeds beating those guys and getting into the semis spot on yeah uh, what would you say is your proudest moment uh, at Wolves captain the side captain the club that you play for yeah I would say probably is the proudest moment spot on yeah yeah brilliant <coughs> um, you mentioned the FA Cup yep you, you, you say to me you didn't know you were suspended I didn't know at the time no where you're playing aren't you you're involved in the game and it's you're not even thinking about Not I wasn't even thinking about the semi-final we're playing Ipswich away we're getting absolutely run ragged you got Matt Holland, Kieran Dyer. We're having one. We are playing terrible. And I thought I, well, I didn't actually. I tried to upend Bobby Petter to get something. Like you say, you're trying to get something going. So I tried to hit him with a tackle, missed him, clipped him. Next one, I've just clipped him again. So I've got the old red card. And at Ipswich, you have to walk down the end. So I've down, gone in, head down, gutted, got sent off. We got beat about 3 0, I think. So I've come in as the boys coming. I'm going, sorry, lads, sent off. Sorry, apologies. You know, I tried to catch him. They're like, down anyway. So and then the gaffer comes in and starts going off on one. And then points at me and goes, he doesn't even know he's suspended for the semi-final of the FA Cup. I was like, oh, cheers. Thanks. I've not only got sent off, I'm suspended for the FA Cup semi-final. And he find me? Gutted. Oh Shocker. God. Yeah, so it's, you don't think about it, you know. So then I'm sitting up in the stand watching us get beat by Arsenal, obviously. But it's one of those things, isn't it? And there's a lot of fans that feel that you shouldn't have done. It wasn't a great game, though, was it? Poor game. It was a poor game. And, you know, the goal <laughs> even that was poor. But at the time... But if Bull and Keane had started... I'm not going to talk about that. Claridge started, didn't he, that day? Claridge and Don, yeah. Yeah, was it? Strange one. That's a manager's decision. I was sitting in the stand. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts. Our official broadcast partner, Blythe Group, are currently recruiting for multi-skilled and single trades for both the insurance repair and construction sectors, working across their three offices, Wolverhampton, Maidenhead and Manchester. To find out more, visit theblythegroup.co.uk slash careers.